Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Line Outdoors. On the mic with you, it's Tuesday. We're rocking through another week. I hope you recovered after your long weekend, for those of you that had one. Always makes it rough having a Monday on a Tuesday. Just seems like it's hard to do. I, it just kind of thinks like maybe we ought to just make the weekend extend through this week and start over next Monday, right? Anyway, I want to share a message with you today. Hopefully, uh, kind of fun, maybe a little lighthearted. Um, over the weekend, in, in the message that we heard on Sunday, uh, something was brought up about remembering the, the WWJD. You know, what would Jesus do? How, how many of you remember this movement? I mean, and it was, it was a movement. It started simple enough. The phrase, what would Jesus do, often abbreviated to WWJD, became very popular, particularly in the United States, as early as the 1900s. Now, you might not have known that. This came about after a widely read book that was titled, In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do by Charles Sheldon. Now, the phrase had a resurgence in the 1990s as a personal motto for adherents of Christianity who used it as a reminder of their belief in a moral imperative to act in a manner demonstrating the love of Jesus through their actions. Now, the resurgence of the motto during the 1990s stems from the WWJD abbreviation. It came out on wristbands, and it became really popular among Christian youth groups, T-shirts, paraphernalia, all kinds of stuff with the lettering WWJD to remind you, what would Jesus do? And it literally kind of swept across the nation. I actually remember this in the late 90s, uh, being a lot of material out there in that time frame. Now, the background, the, the concept is based on the, official, uh, on the epistle of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul of Tarsus is, says that Christ lives in us, in Christians, and was developed with the doctrine of Emacio Christi, imitation of Christ by Augustine of Hippo in 400. The Roman Catholic Church emphasizes the concept of imitatio Christi, imitation of Christ, which is summarized in the English phrase, what would Jesus do? So the WWJD really coming to a theological background from imitating Christ. What would he do? We, we need to be like him in all aspects now, the earliest use of this phrase, Charles Spurgeon, a well-known evangelical Baptist preacher in London, used the phrase, what would Jesus do, in quotation marks, several times in a sermon he gave on June 28, 1891. So this comes from a lot further back than we might think. In his sermon, he cites the source of the phrase as a book written in Latin by Thomas A. Kempis, between 1418 and 1427, which was the imitation of Christ, imitatio Christi. The, the Reverend A.B. Simpson, founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church, wrote both the lyrics and music of a gospel hymn, What Would Jesus Do?, with a copyright date of 1891. It can still be found on number 669 in the Hymns of the Christian Life book. There was a novel, 1896, Charles Sheldon's 1896 book, In His Steps, was subtitled, What Would Jesus Do? Sheldon's novel grew out of the series of sermons he delivered in his Congregationalist church in Topeka, Kansas. Unlike the previous nuances mentioned above, Sheldon's theology was shaped 
by commitment to Christian socialism. The ethos of Sheldon's approach to the Christian life was expressed in this phrase, what would Jesus do? With Jesus being a moral example as well as a savior figure. Now, due to a mistake by the original publisher, the copyright for Sheldon's novel was never established, and multiple publishers were able to print and sell the novel. Now, this caused the novel to be easily affordable, and it sold 30 million copies worldwide, making it one of the top 50 best-selling novels ever. In this popular novel, it had been translated into 21 languages by 1935. Reverend Henry Maxwell encounters a homeless man who challenges him to take seriously the imitation of Christ. So this is found in the novel that was, that was written. But this is a, an excerpt from that novel by a homeless man uh, to Reverend Henry Maxwell as he encountered him. The homeless man was, has difficulty understanding why, in his view, so many Christians ignore the poor. Listen to what the, the, the man says. I heard some people singing at a church prayer meeting the other night, all for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my beings, ransom powers, all my thoughts and all my doings, all my days and all my hours. And I kept wondering as I sat on the steps outside just what they meant by it. It seems to me there's an awful lot of trouble in the world that somehow wouldn't exist if all the people who sing such songs went and lived them out. Ouch. I suppose I don't understand. But what would Jesus do? Is, is that what you mean by following his steps? It seems to me sometimes as if the people in the big churches had good clothes and nice houses to live in and money to spend for luxuries and could go away on summer vacations and all of that, while the people outside the churches, thousands of them, I mean, die in tenants and walk in the streets for jobs and never have a piano or a picture in the house, and grow up in misery and drunkenness and sin. Now that excerpt leads many of the novel's characters asking what would Jesus do when faced with decisions of some importance. This has the effect of making the characters embrace Christianity more seriously and to focus on what they see as its core, being the life of Christ. In 1993, Garrett Sheldon, the great-grandson of the original author, and Deborah Morris published What Would Jesus Do? A contemporary retelling of Charles M. Sheldon's classic, In His Steps. Garrett Sheldon states that his updated version is based on many actual events in the lives of believers. It is possible that Sheldon was familiar with either Spurgeon or Thomas, or that he was independently inspired. In the 90s, at Calvary Reformed Church in Holland, Michigan, a youth group leader named Janie uh, Ticklenberg began a grassroots movement to help the teenagers in her group remember the phrase. It spread worldwide in the 90s among Christian youth who wore bracelets bearing the initials WWJD. Later, a sequel bracelet was generated with the initials FROG, F-R-O-G, to provide an answer to WWJD. FROG was an acronym for fully reply or rely on God. Fully rely on God as being an answer to what would Jesus do? Well, he would fully rely on God. So in the 2000s, in 2005 actually, Gary Willis wrote What Jesus Meant, in which he examined what would Jesus really do. You can also see the book review in Esquire magazine. 
and later on, 2010s, a trio of films were released under the WWJD moniker. The first, starring John Schneider and Adam Gregory, was released in 2010. The 2012 film, The Woodcarver, used the moniker WWJD2. With similar themes but different characters, Schneider returned for the 2015 film subtitled The Journey Continues. What would Jesus do? WWJD. I'm going to give you another acronym today. HWLF. What would Jesus do? Has become one of the most famous questions in our culture. But what would Jesus do? What would be the answer? As the next movement explained, HWLF. He would love first. Creator of HWLF stated, We set out to answer that famous question and create a movement of Jesus' love. He wanted the world to know the simple answer, and for that answer to spark conversation about the gospel of Jesus. He wanted the world to know the good news. Jesus came to a world of sinners and showed the most radical expression of love by giving up his life for us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Jesus was often seen hanging out with the unloved and the unwanted. It's, it's been a big row even today, especially today as our culture literally paws for anything they can grasp that makes Jesus look like part of the world because they don't want to reform to his ways. They want Jesus to be reformed to their ways. So they often reference this. Well, he hung out with sinners. Jesus was always around sinners. Yes, he often was noted for hanging out with sinners. But what would he do? He would love first. Jesus always confronted their sin. There's nowhere in Scripture that Jesus doesn't confront sin. Now, he does it in a, in a mannerism that may be unfamiliar to many of us. Because, see, the culture today that we live in judges sin harshly. We, we condemn sin harshly. We condemn the sinner even more so, yet that's not what Jesus did. H how he did things was by loving them. He always ministered to people throughout the word. You see, you see his, his approach throughout the entire word. He, he always confronted sin, but he did so in such a manner that it was with love. He always confronted their sin, but he confronted it with love. Then maybe we could do another acronym that I created, HLTWAC. How's that? He left them with a choice. H-L-T-W-A-C. He left them with a choice. See, he always confronted their sin, but he always simply left them with a choice. Jesus always instructed them to go their way, but sin no more. Leave your sin behind. So he, yes, he hung out with sinners. Yes, he, 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 he was in that right. So what would Jesus do today? He would hang out with sinners. He would encourage us to do the same. Now you got to remember, he was God's son. He was strong. He, he knew his word. He knew quite well the temptations of the enemy. And he overcame those temptations because of the word. We have to be strong in the word if we're going to do such. We need that. We, we need the ability to stand as Jesus stood in the midst of the darkness. Because he was a beacon of light. That's what he's calling us to do. What would Jesus do? He would love first, and he would leave them 
with a choice. It's what we should be doing. We need to love first. We don't have to love the sin. We must love the sinner. I mean, we want sinners to come to our churches, don't we? Or do we? Or are we reserving those for our own parties, our own types? Because oftentimes sinners won't come to church because they're certainly not welcome there in a lot of cases. You heard me tell many stories of such. We need to become a welcoming body of Christ, as Jesus would be, and love first. Yes, in the process of that love, we do confront the sin, but we do it with love, and we leave them with a choice. We can't change anybody. We can't even demand that they change. We can simply offer them the alternative. And, 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 and if they choose the alternative, then we can help them walk out their life with Christ. Do you have to clean up to come to Jesus? Absolutely not. As we come to Jesus, as we mature in our faith with him, as we draw closer to him, the things of this world simply begin to fall off. We find that we're not as attached to that as we thought we were. We don't need it as badly as we thought we did. And now we can come fully to God and allow him to wash us clean through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. The ultimate sacrifice. What would Jesus do? And what would he expect of us today? I guess that's a great question. What would Jesus expect from us today as his followers to do what he did? He would love first and he would leave them with a choice. We're to go into all this world and preach the gospel. To share the story of Jesus Christ. To share the story of him coming to this earth willingly, giving up his life dying a brutal death on a cross, shedding his blood so that we might have eternal life. He, he, he was buried. Three days he rose again. He was resurrected, and, and he sits by the throne of, Christ, of God today waiting on his Father to tell him, go get him. I don't believe he sits anymore. I believe he's standing on his feet today. I believe we're that close. But who's he going to come and get? He's going to come get those who are walking in this earth the way he did doing everything in their power to live according to God's word, his father's word, doing his father's work, being about his father's business, building his father's kingdom here on this earth. What would Jesus do? He would love first, and he would leave them with a choice. That's our calling today. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Ron and I love you. We thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. I pray that you have an incredible rest of your week. Stay tuned. We'll talk to you again real soon.